Welcoming not only to England, the United Kingdom, but also to our studio, Mr Andy Lee. The mother country. It's nice to pay a, a visit and respects every now and again. Uh, <laughs> nice to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, you've had a, a decent two or three weeks. Yeah. Been watching on social media. Mm. Uh, golf with the lads. Yeah. And uh, then a little bit of the first test. Yep. With the lads. Yes. Nice little holiday with Beck. Yes. And then a mad dash back to get back for that final day of the second test. Well, yeah, in the second test, it was just brewing into one of those great test matches, wasn't it? And um, Beck and I, this is my girlfriend, Beck, we were uh, in Formentera, uh, an island off Ibiza, and um, and we're out to lunch, and I was just watching the cricket constantly, um, and she respected that. And, I, <laughs> and I said, we should try and get back. So, yeah, a few text messages to the Aussie camp, and they were like, yeah, we can get you tickets. So uh, an early, early boat ride, 4.30 wake up, Boat ride to the airport, flight straight to Lords, and caught the game yesterday. It was a ripper. Are you a cricket fan then? <laughs> I sort of get the feeling you might like it, but yeah, I like it. It's one of those things you follow you on on social media, and one thing I've always found it's such respect is you always do seem to find time to watch, whether it be cricket or your beloved Carlton Blues in the AFL. Mm. What's it like watching it overseas, trying to stream? A bit of a oh, nightmare. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone knows about how you can have VPN, so illegally I watch <laughs> sport <laughs> every every. <laughs> in the world so um, that's what's getting me through it's cost me about $4,000 in data I think for global and running, legal fees but yeah, yeah, yeah they're pending yeah. Um, but yeah I mean particularly this series for the Ashes it's just it feels unmissable it's mm-hmm. been the colliding of a lot of things coming back obviously with Warner and Smith coming back into the fold and Bancroft um, and the fact that England have just come off a World Cup win uh, out and out favourites probably heading in and, and a surprise first test so yeah it's been a really good one to follow and already we've it's already been drama. Like yeah. Obviously, the latest thing being Steve Smith. Will he play in that in that third test? Mm, I mean, mm. at the moment, I, w- I would say he probably won't. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look that way, I would say. Um, interesting, the new concussion protocols. I thought we were going to have to sub out Manus straight away as mm. well. He got hit in the face <laughs> second ball. <laughs> we were talking so about another this like for like. Uh, we could keep going through more and more players. I, th- I was thinking I might have to throw the pads <laughs> on uh, if we kept going this you way. You would have offered, wouldn't you? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was that's an interesting new rule and a great rule to protect players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jofra Archer, uh, I feel maybe England have missed a trick in that first test, obviously because Anderson broke down and you guys were without a player, which is difficult. But the extra pace is what gives batsmen that that extra scare. It's also tricky that you can't swap in a bowler because obviously Steve Smith went out with concussion. Mm. I mean, it would have been a bowler if he'd, if he'd had if, yeah. if Anderson had had concussion, but yeah. that's. Well, that's I, what I was saying. What I think I'm they, to say is, they should have put Anderson at short mm. leg and hoped that someone hit it into his head yeah, uh, <laughs> straight away and then they would have got to replace him. Um, that would be someone going looking for a loophole in the rule. Be, I always yeah. do that. Now, how did you find it? When you saw um, Steve Smith get <clears> hit, it was very different for me here in the office because obviously, as you can understand, being in England, there's a lot of English people around yeah. and they give you a lot of stick and they said, yeah, well, you know, any way to, we can get him out, the better. Yep. But for you as an Australian as well, did you mm. feel like it was? it's still a bit raw with what happened with Philip Hughes that you see it, different hit, he went down differently, hmm. but yet when you see someone lying on the ground like that, it immediately leaves your mind, oh, bugger, we don't have our best player. You go, oh, geez, you know, something serious could happen here. Absolutely. I think that's changed dramatically in the game, even the way the fast bowlers react after they hit someone. Mm-hmm. Um, through For people who don't know, I, I have a show back home with a mate of mine called Hamish, and, and through that and through people's interest in that show, we've got to travel with the sporting teams of many different Australian sporting teams over the time. So getting to know the Australian cricket is a lot over the last 
close to a decade. Um, but, uh, yeah, they talk about the difference in the reaction for when they hit a player now. If you hit them in the arm, hit them in the back, hit them mm-hmm. in the shoulder, yeah, sit down, stare down, have that aggression. But, you know, the head, and particularly after what happened to Phil Hughes, no one wants to see that happen ever again. Fast bowlers, I think, went through a patch of just laying off a little bit, going, okay, mm. how are we going to use the bounce? I'm glad it's back. I'm glad mm. the bumper's back in the game, and it was amazing mm. to see Joffre Archer go after them. But, yeah, if someone gets hit, I think there's, um, well, there's 11 op- opposition on the field that all, they go jump to the same mindset, which is let's make sure this person's okay, and I think the concussion rule's a good one. You saw it with Josh Butler yesterday mm. uh, when when uh, when he got hit in the grill. Yes. And I mean, like, he, he proper Aussie, I would say, as a Brit, yeah. got up, it's all fine, it's all fine, I've just been hit in the head at 95 miles an hour. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. But like Josh Butler was straight there and, and interesting and though that Joffre Archer didn't go over, which which was something that I kind of mm. noticed. Whether or not I felt like he could have been slightly rattled by it all, because mm. obviously quite he meant to be physical and uh, you know it worked. Yeah. But I think when he saw it, uh, what other it was you know sort of interesting point was he was laughing on camera, and I don't know if that was an unlucky cut. Mm. You know, if it was something completely different. But I was really surprised by that because, as you know, play for the Hobart Hurricanes as well. So mm. he knows a few of these guys. So I don't know if that, that surprised me a little I bit. I didn't see that because you, you're not really watching. When you're at the ground particularly, you're not really mm. watching uh, people's reactions. Yeah, I mean, mixed one there. I, I, it wasn't a, a good – it was a good while after, I think, mm. that, that that he laughed. And, and the thing is, people react really differently in those type of moments all the time. I don't think Joffre Archer's – a bad person or got a mean bone in his body. I think he's a fierce competitor and that's that's fine. Mm. I'm also kind of fine if the bowler doesn't want to go down and check. They've got to remain in that aggressive mindset for mine. But I think if you know if they're there and they're staring down or they're 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 laughing and, and that's and that's an obvious thing. I don't think that's, yeah, that's part of the game cool. we want. But they, they, I think I think they've still got to keep that battle going between bowler and batsman. Mm. And you know if, if the other ten players are crowding around, then I'm kind of cool with it. Yeah. Um, I, I went to the SCG and obviously saw the memorial to Philip Hughes. And you know it's yeah. it, when when that silence went around the ground, even watching it on TV like that, it's yeah, it yeah. reminds you of it. And it's I think it's good that how serious they are about concussions. Um, I do a little bit with NFL. And, you know, they're so serious on concussions and also wrestling. Like, yep. if you get a concussion, you can't do anything for three weeks, whether it's a bad one or not. But, you know, if it's a concussion, it's that. And that's what makes me think that Steve Smith might not make this third test. Mm. But yeah. in standing in, um, uh, your man, who, uh, to be honest, he has a lot to thank to British cricket because we've let him play in Wales for Glamorgan. Yeah. And he is the leading run scorer. So I think you know you can thank us, Kamaris. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Jofra Archer, he he kind of just strolls in, mm. and I run in four times as fast and bowl six times as slow as him. <laughs> but, but the amazing ability just to adore Lynn and have mm. that aggression, which is surprising as a batsman, I'd imagine. But yeah, when people are saying like for like with Levishone, I mean, he came in and was Smith Steve Smith like it was very. He didn't really give any chances. The way he got out one hand one bounce was particularly weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, uh, Backyard yeah. cricket rules are the best, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know that was that could be a find as well. It's it's amazing what sport does. To the fact that he's probably not going to get a game unless something like that happens to Steve Smith. Yeah. We might find an unlikely hero, and I think it's the best part of sport. And he's jumped jumped ahead of so many players that just yeah. because he's here. Yeah, it's the whole thing in life, isn't it? Put yourself where the action is, and, yep. and you know you might get called into action. Talk about That's being, how I got a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> literally. No, honestly. You remind you're me of Frank Christian O'Connell. I was I was coming out of uni. Uh, uni. I came to meet someone. Nothing to do with Christian O'Connell. Met him in a corridor. Yeah. Had a bit of a chat. Six months later, who was that guy I met in the corridor? Let's get him in. Yeah. How long did it work? How long did you work with him for? A week. A week. <laughs> me, and, me and Christian O'Connell. Top of the CV. <laughs> Are you familiar with the fast food chain Wimpy? 
No. It's a very British thing. Yeah. It's it, kind of big in the 80s. Okay. Um, they do, one of their uh, standard things is called a bender and a bun. Okay. Which is like a coiled sausage and a bun. <laughs> sure. And like, it's so out of fashion, it's unbelievable. And then I think a South African bloke with loads of money just loved, uh, it's very South African style yeah. food. He bought it and tried to make it have a comeback. Yeah. So he invited Christian O'Connell down to a wimpy in Clapham. Um, right. And we went there and uh, me and Christian O'Connell shared a bender and a bun. <laughs> And that's my Christian We've all been there. story. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, Andy, are you going to the third test? No. Um, uh. Yes, my tour of duty ends. I'll be back to watch it on Thursday. I'll be back in Australia to watch that in Perth, which is the best for the time differences, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. it doesn't go as late. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think Steve Smith will play. Um, one, one other interesting thing about Marnus playing yesterday, we were... Um, we were in a box with uh, Trevor Hones came in, his selector for the Australian team. Yep. And I asked him, when do you make that decision and how is that decision made? And so obviously they have to check with the Steve's, right? He's got delayed concussion. He So suddenly he's ruled out and selectors now have to be on during the game for this <laughs> new rule. And the same goes for the 12th, 13th, 14th man. Um, normally they'd have a few pints throughout the... <laughs> <I was> gonna, <laughs> isn't that the whole point people get into cricket? You have toasted sandwiches and beers. It's Exactly, they could ha- they could have a few pints of a night. No, and yeah. all they have to do is run drinks the next day. I think it's com- the new concussion rules completely it's, changed the, thing- the way twelfth men have to o- operate. Because when England didn't se- select Sam Curran, he mm. went and played for Surrey that mm. same night on the first day of the first test, and yeah. there w- was joked about that. If someone in the warm up like got injured, yeah. then they'd literally have to ring up, be like, "No, no, get the Surrey kit off. You need to come back." Yes. North of the river to Lords because you're playing in a test match yeah. in the ashes. It's a slight difference between mm. uh, playing a, a smaller game for Surrey. Speaking of running water bottles, have you <laughs> hung up the water bottles for the Melbourne Stars? Yeah, yeah. For That's... people who, who might follow the Big Bash League, I, I uh, was the water boy for seven years for the Melbourne Stars. What people don't know, though, was when that league started, they thought celebrities might play in it. So I was a registered player in year one. <laughs> So, Warney had got me in. He he was the one that said, come and play, particularly if he wanted to nick off for a cigarette. Sure. He wanted someone to be able to sure. be active to run on a yeah. field for him. But the, the, the competition became really good really quickly. Mm. Um, I think arguably it's the best I think it 2020 league in the world. Um, but, yeah, so because it became serious really quickly, uh, they weren't going to have any riffraff like myself running around and making a mockery of it. And, and Shippy, the coach at the time, he was very clear about that. But, yeah, first year I was kind of pooping my pants a little bit, but training with them and, and, and doing all the things because I thought, oh, maybe there's a chance as a 12th man I'll go over a field or something as a laugh and, you know, kind of play it up for the TV cameras. But, um, yeah, then I got uh, relegated. Well, I think, oh, you know, I thought I asked actually to, uh, to Chief Hydration Officer, which is <laughs> what, the most are important you, what, role. What are you, batsman bowler, wicketkeeper? Neither, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just there for the numbers. I, I t- attempted bowler, but when you realise what you can do versus what they can do alongside them in the nets. We, we had Lass of Malinga in the team at the time. <laughs> Just quietly. And I was, I, was, I was padded up, ready to go in for a little bat in the nets. And Jimmy Faulkner said, you don't, just, you don't want to face Malinga. It's like, oh, I wouldn't mind trying it out. So I wandered down to the net and Malinga, he only ever bowled 12 balls at practice anyway, so he was going to waste one on me. But I said to him, oh, look, before I, before I kind of you know, face up, can I just watch one? Because, you know, I just want to see how fast Try it comes before down. you buy, sure. Yeah. 
he came out. The ball just seemed to come from nowhere, the way he was slinging it sidearm. Yeah. Um, and it was so quick. And I just went, okay, yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> 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 one, one ball only. Yeah. Well, no, not even one ball. Not no, even one ball. One sighter. D- ducked out. <laughs> it's funny, though, speaking of how quickly the Big Bash turned from a joke to, to being quite serious, it goes yeah. back to the likes of Joffre Archer. You know, two and a half years ago, no one in England had really ever heard of him. Yep. He gets the late call up to the Hobart Hurricanes, and he was an absolute revelation. Mm. You know, the Hurricanes at that point didn't really have a recognised quick bowler. We just let go uh, Stuart Broad yep. um, at the time. And then all of a sudden, he, he makes his mark and then, look, you know, two years later, he's in an ashes. It's incredible what the Big Bash does. It's also awesome that he wants to play the long-form cricket. Yeah. We're finding a lot, particularly with for a lot of players, just going, okay, there's, 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 it's really hard to make a test team. So, but there's a lot of money in T20. So people are just travelling around, not even caring about the long form, which I think is the best part mm-hmm. of of cricket. And so the fact that Arch is actually interested in it, and then coming out performing like he is, he'll be sore though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you saw his tweet. Yeah, I saw his tweet. <laughs> I also saw you saw uh, KP's tweet about borrowing his car. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, did that, did he get in touch? Did no, he slide no, into he doesn't. Those? Yeah, no. K- KP and I, we tend to just bag each other out on Twitter these days. <laughs> Back when he was playing with the Stars, we'd play a lot of golf together and uh, have a few beers, but now it's resorted to our relationship is just purely in um, Twitter banter. Healthy. Form. Yeah. <laughs> Still good. Um, Andy, I need to talk to you about Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I went to Melbourne. It's the only place really, I, I, I went to Sydney, but yep. so briefly that I won't count it. But I went to Melbourne and it made me remember... Back home, and it, it reminded me of a city called Nottingham. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar with the city. Yeah. Nottingham, obviously, Trent Bridge. Trent Bridge. I was up there just uh, two weeks ago because Dan Christian is um, the captain for Knots. Oh, so course, for the yeah. T20 team. Um, and he, he and I are good pals. And so he invited me up just to check it out and so show me through the uh, the rooms. And being a cricket fan, I love that. I got a stump and reenacted Shane Warne's <laughs> dance with the st- <laughs> stump on the dressing room um, uh, balcony there. What I loved about that was, I don't I never realised, maybe Brits all do, but the dressing rooms, they're above each other, above and below each other. And I loved the fact that the, the home team, the English team, has the top one looking down abo- yeah, and above. The status thing a, a, a better view, better facilities. I thought that was just a great thing. Stand on the floor and disrupt you if yeah, you can have a team It's the bed yeah, bunk yeah. rule. It's the two brothers in a bed bunk rule, yeah, isn't it? So yeah, top's it better. Makes you, sense. Can, you know, you can stamp it. That's it. That's it. So um, you're familiar with Nottingham, yeah. So, not, so yeah, so my theory is, is mm. that, that Melbourne and Nottingham are both the best sporting cities in the world. Yeah, right. So I want to look at this. So Ollie's going to keep so right, let's look at Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went there, I went to the Australian Open final. Yep. I was watching Melbourne. Mm, which soccer team? What which ones are the Melbourne light, Victory, light maybe? blue one? No, the other oh, one. Melbourne yeah, City. City. Yeah. I was watching them play, and Damien Duff, the uh, the former player, was playing, and yeah. he must have been thirty eight years old. He had a bad <laughs> ankle, and he was still better than any of the <laughs> players there. And it, well, I wasn't enjoying it. I was with my colleagues, and they were flying home that night. And I just went, "Hang on, like the Australian Open finals on? Surely I can?" And I looked on like on a ticket reseller, and I bought a ticket for. The equivalent of a hundred pounds to go wow. and watch Andy Murray versus Novak Djokovic. Oh wow, that's incredible! So yeah. that, that already the yeah. fact you can watch soccer yeah. and walk across the road and watch a a major tennis final. Melbourne has that. Nottingham has the greatest football team in the world, Nottingham <laughs> Forest. It also has <laughs> Notts County. Half a mark down for you that. Oh, Notts County as well, but you can. I saw I saw the uh, Nottingham Stadium, the City Ground. Yeah, the yeah. City Ground. Yeah, great team. Could great team. Yeah, 
<laughs> the, the, ground, the, the, ground, the ground itself, I was a bit. I thought it was a bit suspect if it was a, for professional soccer. When I, I haven't been inside, obviously. Oh, the atmosphere but, is what it's. It's, yeah. it's an old school football stadium. So for listeners that, that might not have been to to Melbourne, and in mm. particular Richmond and the Melbourne Park area, you, you as mm. you quite rightly said, John, you can go from watching the soccer, the rugby. That there's then three AFL teams that are situated. You know their centres, seat seat to seat. You can go on in, in one day. You can go watch a test match at the MCG with, say, if it, you know, with for argument's sake, it holds a hundred thousand people. Five hundred meters, you can walk, and you will be in a seat to watch the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. And then another six hundred meters, and you are in the soccer stadium to watch our soccer being played. It's an incredible precinct, and they're all within the same kind of area. And then you've got Albert Park, so that you can go and watch the Formula One. Nottingham is near. Ish, Ilverston. <laughs> I mean, it's in the same. It's in the same central part of the country. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, am I putting that down? I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say. With the tennis for Nottingham is that Melbourne has obviously the the, the first um, mm. Grand Slam of the year. Nottingham has the British Tennis Centre, and I once was mm-hmm. part of my university tennis team. Mm. I went there. I didn't play, but I drove the minibus because I was the only person over twenty three. <laughs> so I feel that you know I've technically we played are all, my part in we the are history all, of Nottingham sport. We are all envious. Of the uh, yeah. tennis centre you talk about yeah. in Melbourne, it's, it's uh, the pl- as far as town planning goes. Yeah. We, look, we look to Nottingham and that that, that tennis centre and go. That's the next for us. Yeah. What about for again listeners that might not know the AFL experience? Mm. I, I've, I've been really trying my hardest to ingrain the culture here in London. Not worked out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you're going to the MCG, as you said, in that same precinct to watch a Carlton game, mm. if Carlton's good at the time, mm. uh, like they were this weekend, what's it like? For people oh, that might inc- not know. I mean, it's incredible. First, for Aussie rules footy fans, I I, it, I think it's the best game in the world to watch for me personally. Um, but particularly at the ground, watching off telly, it's very hard to understand. And a lot of my mates from the US and here have come across, and once they've seen a game live, mm-hmm. because it's three sixty, which is always difficult for, for for sport. You know, cricket's similar for people trying to follow that in the three sixty arena. Very difficult to cover it, cover, and people don't know where the ball is or where it's coming in from. Mm. And that's why American sports are so built for television. NFL, just up and down in lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the basketball. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting that in that regard. But yeah, I mean, you don't understand. I mean, there's obviously with Premier League, there's the passion is so incredible here, mm. which which we love. Mm. It's a different type of passion for Australian rules football. The passion for the game is huge. We've got two huge arenas in Melbourne City alone. One holds 100,000. The other one, about 55, mm. I think, yeah. um, for Marvel Stadium. The superheroes uh, have now sponsored it. So <laughs> You have to take the AFL seriously. It's a serious me. sport. So Marvel, Please tell me they come no, out dressed Mar- like the characters. Well, well they Bulldogs. Do, they, yeah, they did. and they. Uh, but Marvel... Marvel yeah, cool. studios have have <laughs> sponsored the whole stadium, so it's great for kids because they've got all their superhero characters yeah. down below in, in these museums and stuff. Mm-hmm. So kids go along, see all that. But I read an interesting stat on, on a big game, on I mean, a big weekend of of AFL football in Melbourne specifically. You normally would have five games um, of foot of footy between mm. those arenas, yep. and they said one in ten Mel people go. 
That's so people go twice, so it's a double up. But they said about 300, 300 to three hundred fifty thousand people a weekend will go and watch an AFL match of of a uh, of a city that's got you know three and a half to four million people. So it's pretty incredible how much people love going to watch it live. Yeah, I, I've watched it. We talked about this before, me and Ollie. Um, I've watched it in the gym. Yep. And I find it I find it fascinating and I find it really entertaining, but I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. thing. It's fast paced, as you say. It's three sixty, so it's kind of like oh, what's going on here? It's really sort of aggressive and there's a lot of impact, mm. but I still don't know what's going on. So yep. you think that I need to go to a game to really with, grasp what's going on there? With any sport, it's a mm. bit like that. I mean, my friends talk about cricket, particularly the ones ones in this US, give me a bit of flack about cricket. And then when I've got them to the games, particularly the shorter form, and you're explaining what the bowler's trying to do mm. and what a batsman's trying to achieve and all these things, I, f- I find that the same with any sport. Like, like the funniest thing for me is when the Winter Olympics comes around. I don't care about Winter Olympic sports at all for the entire four years in between. And then I'm hooked on it every night going, yeah. oh, the curling. Oh, yeah. the gosh. curling was huge here. Yeah. There's people up all night like just waiting to watch curling. Yeah, it's, it's this weird thing. You suddenly learn what they're trying to do mm. and you go, okay, there's a reason yeah. why people are into this. I think if you're a sport fan, you, you can appreciate any sport and what and what it takes to do it, even yeah. if you're not particularly knowledgeable about that sport or you're, you're not into it. Mm. So I on think, that, are you surprised? That it's because I'm quite I'm really surprised it's not been able to to make an impression overseas because you look at say for example the Premier League hmm. now obviously they've got a lot more money but what obviously as we see they come to Australia for pre-season the states they go to parts of Africa they're really yep. trying to, to grow the game and I know the AFL have just done um, the first couple of years of playing in China um, and it remains to see you know how well that's gone but mm. are you surprised that they've not tried to to bring it to somewhere like England where you would have thought there'd be a market eventually certainly not especially with rugby fans as well it's it's it's. I reckon it's really difficult to start a sport. Yeah. <laughs> sport, particularly because we're flooded with the ones we love. Yeah. Um, in, in England, particularly, you know, with with where are you gonna where are you gonna slot it in the year? I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, the same reason why soccer, as we call it, um, struggles in Australia, and they've got a very odd season. That's trying. They're trying to place it in an area. It's, it's a summer sport in Australia because they're trying to get it away from the passion of of Australian rules football and rugby. But I mean, what's interesting about and in talking to the CEO of the AFL was saying that there are far more people participating in Aussie rules football around the world now not necessarily watching it. So there's leagues popping up, and I think that's probably true of the world at the moment. We all travel a lot more. We're yeah. happy getting out of our backyards. We've all got VPNs, so yeah. we can, yeah, we can all exactly watch wherever right. we are. So I think a lot of expats are starting up small, smaller leagues, and so maybe it'll take those leagues building a bit more to for a chance for those sports to, to kind of have mm. their day. It's nearly two years since you stopped doing a regular radio show. Mm. Do you prefer your life now? where you have a podcast, which presumably it comes out every week. Yep. Uh, you can record a bunch mm. and go and play golf and yeah. watch the cricket. And, this and, is taking and nearly a 60 minutes turn, hasn't it? <laughs> hasn't it? Hasn't it? Um, we'll you in and then... I'm, no, I'm just interested uh, to know. Like, uh, There is something about live radio that cannot be beaten. It is, I personally think, still the most immediate medium in the, ho- media in the, whole, in the whole world. People think social media is more immediate it's 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 not because there's so much noise you don't know what unless you're huge people you don't know whether people are following you or not and your comments are getting lost so quickly through the clutter with talkback radio 
it's there's very I don't think there's anything in the world where you can sit there and have be in your car have an opinion on something if the opinion's good and valid you could be broadcast to millions of people that are just yeah. listening in that absolute moment so yeah, I do miss radio for that. I think that um, living in that with our immediacy is just is just awesome. But uh, for us, with what we wanted to do with our TV shows, etc., and um, hopefully the new one will come out here, we knew that we needed to uh, give the radio a break uh, and then kind of scratch that itch with our podcast yeah. uh, so we could kind of try different things. But, yeah, I still think radio is just the... Well, it's my favourite beat in the world. One thing that I, I've enjoyed watching sort of behind the scenes stuff of um, your show True Story, which was which was just fantastic, but watching you sort of directing, but taking... Like, you really... You suited the role. So you were like Stephen, Stil- Stephen Spielberg. Like, it was incredible. <laughs> like, just, there's the, there's like the that, quote from this chat. Yeah. Yeah. You were like Stephen Spielberg. And as far as I had a, hair, a, a chair... And a clipboard. I, had a clipboard. That's probably where it sits. No, like, we, we, what... Probably people don't realise, and again, boring anyone that might know what Hamish and I do is we love, we've produced all these shows ourselves um, with our other production uh, partners in Tim and Rye. There's four of us met at uni, have made the shows from scratch from the beginning. Um, and so, yeah, you do care about every step along the way. That's the other great thing about radio. You go one idea and all you have to do is sit down in front of a mic and it's done and just, and just say it and have a laugh about it. With TV, there's so many ways to bugger up an idea <laughs> like from the pre-production to the scripting to capturing to the edit to all these things someone might not light it incorrectly and your idea is flawed so there's a lot a lot of things in the way so yeah we do we do take that seriously and make sure it goes out right I think that's the, the thing about radio if you I'm an overthinker yeah. and actually in radio sometimes you can't overthink you've just yeah. got to do it and yeah. that's things that you do think out though my particular favourite is the Nug Raid <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which I've shown everyone Whenever I've got a lot of friends that are into radio because I work mm. in radio but for people who don't really get radio I've yeah. shown them Nug Raid and they're like yes Yeah. my question about that is is was the venue of the raid was that uh, were they aware of, of the Oh, raid? God, no. So, yeah, for, for people who aren't familiar with the Nug Raid, probably most majority, <laughs> um, we, had, we had this ambition to eat a fast food restaurant out of nuggets. Um, we didn't want to let them know that they're coming. Uh, we were coming, obviously, because that's the whole point. We dressed as Vikings because it just felt more fun and we had 100 listeners and the idea was to, at any p- one moment in time, we will hit a fast food restaurant and order maximum nuggets and hopefully denug them. Um, <laughs> why are you trying to denug the world? <laughs> well, we love nuggets so much. That's why I wondered, would they, are they ready? Mm-hmm. If the if 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 this kind of wave of if there was an obsession with people eating nuggets, are fast food restaurants ready for it? Turns out they were. <laughs> we ate thousands. I don't know. It was just we probably would. I can't even remember how many we ate in total. But yeah, hundred people. I think minimum fifty each. Um, but yeah, they unfortunately the store won. Um, oh, and much, much like wins. the Vikings trying to take on uh, Britain, they, <laughs> they had to go back yeah, uh, to Sweden eventually. Mm. But the thing is, is that that's the thing about radio, though. But that all came from presumably just an idea where totally. you and or so just went, could we do that? And that's I think that's the beautiful thing with radio, whereas TV, the idea would get so blown out of proportion when you yeah. have so many meetings about it, it just wouldn't work. And I think 
you're spot on. And, and what's great about radio and, and particularly what we love about our, our show is it's, it's mainly about people. It's not about us. And it's so easy to participate mm-hmm. in radio. Uh, and things get funnier when people are participating. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of been our ticket. We probably owe all our listeners, yeah, they come up with such a, so many amazing ideas. We probably owe them about 80% of our salaries over the last 15 <laughs> years. But, um, no, nah, we, we decided against giving it to them. Yeah, as you would. <laughs> I, don't think the, uh, I don't think that Simpsons guy deserves anything. No. Though. I think he, no, no. he's exempt yeah, from yeah, any of that, yeah, 80% exactly. of your earnings, yeah. Do you feel like what you do, you know, whether it be on TV and radio, mm. obviously there's, there's a pretty pretty obvious angle for Australians, which naturally there is if you're broadcasting in Australia, but mm. do you think that it works particularly well in Australia? Like, do you, would you the be show? ever... Yeah, would you be ever sort of tempted by the idea of coming to, to a London and do you think that the market would then sort yeah, of translate we've, we've into what We've had some um, offers in the past to do with working over here. We love Australia so much, um, love the lifestyle, tend to choose lifestyle over that ambition. Uh, same with um, things that for us in the States. Um, but what I, again, I love about uh, podcasting is, and uh, the show's become more international because of the podcast. Um, we're doing around about 80% of the listeners are from Australia still, Australia, New Zealand, yep. but it's nice, but it's, it's growing uh, internationally. I think it, you've got an opportunity to include more people with their thoughts from all different nations. And yeah, particularly out of Britain and, uh, and Ireland, um, there's some funny buggers there. <laughs> I think that's the thing though, but I, I, so, so I've listened to Australian radio companies are really good at putting out the shows as standalone shows with all the music and all the ads taken out. So yeah. people, abroad can listen to them and that's the thing you've hit the nail on the head the thing that I felt I couldn't do is I, I felt like I was just what, listening into it but I couldn't be part of it yeah. and I think that's the thing that's happened with, with your podcast especially mm. is that you can be a part of it and you know you've heard British people coming on and, and claiming crazy things and they can do all these things and I think that you've somehow again you've managed to hit the nail on the head with it and because a podcast isn't that interactive necessarily no. but because it is that regular thing that comes out every week and people are the star of the show and they feel like we said this earlier like when we met you and Beck earlier I feel like I know you because <laughs> I've listened to podcasts because it's like just and mates the you don't know right? yeah. and the stalking and yeah I mean and the stalking <laughs> yeah. uh, you know and, uh, but yeah and, that, and that's the goal the goal is to have people participate in a show not just listen to it that's our goal anyway and i know that's not every show's goal but that's where our show's at its best uh and it's just heaps of fun absolutely mm. um so perfect holiday is mm. the new show yeah can you give us a premise of what this is because for, for me looking at uh, the sort of basic things we've seen from it this is you and hamish kind of continuing what you've always done which yeah. is just having a laugh yeah but bearing in mind that you're slightly older now <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it might. They may. They may still be the hottest sausage in the world, or so, whatever. Like I don't know. Well, yeah. You, you, basically, we've only got one trick, so we'll keep doing it. Now, the, this was great fun because the idea, and I think this only comes with being a bit older and and trust. But the new show is called Perfect Holiday, where I write down a bunch of activities that I think Hamish might like in kind of quotation marks, and he's done the same for me. And each day, we would reveal to each other what we're going to do. Um, and so, yeah, I loved doing this show and that trip because every second day I had no idea what we were doing. Um, and, and so it, it, there was a genuine excitement to it. And that's, I think was what, what makes this show different. Um, but yeah, so we're in Alaska, um, and Canada and then, uh, and, and a lot of the U S for this, this latest one. And yeah, I mean, I did locate the hottest chili in the world. (laughs) There is a guy 
in uh, South Carolina who has, with the university there, he's got 100 people working for him that tries to crossbreed chilies to make them the hottest in the world. Sicko. Yeah, absolute sicko. sicko. Was, this is, not, this is not reflected in the show, but I'll tell you guys, was a former drug addict, like heroin addict, and got off it and needed something in his life to be obsessed with. He was an addictive type of person and became addicted to eating and testing really hot chilies. Wow. And now they're scientifically crossbreeding them. So it's all for the university. He's an incredible guy, this fellow. Anyway, so he's he formerly had a chili called the Carolina Reaper, mm-hmm. which I think was... 1.2 million Scoville units of heat. To give you a perspective, I think Tabasco is 50. So, <laughs> mace, they use mace. Uh, police mace is about a, th- a million. Right. Um, Pepper X, which he hadn't released yet, but bought one across for me to surprise Hamish with. 3 million Scoville <laughs> units. Three times the level of police mace. Um, it made for gr- it makes for great TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did just see that now. From what we've seen in, in your cultural eating segments, yeah, yeah. that's his um, food sort of kryptonite. Oh, yeah. In, in a way. He, 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 he doesn't like heat hot at all. He can't even do mild Nando's. So, oh, <laughs> so wow. Lemon and herb operator. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's... It was really interesting for me to watch, but also after talking to Hamish after, he's like, that is a crazy kind of out-of-body experience because, yeah, it's you, he'll, he'll never taste anything hotter in his You'll life. you hallucinate. Yeah. Is this guy also developing, like, the, the world's most efficient arse cream for, <laughs> for a day later? <laughs> exactly. I know. He hasn't got the follow-up market properly to really sort it out yet. That, <laughs> I, I've always wondered, like, has anything gone seriously wrong? I mean, we've seen mm. things happen... Mm. With, with various challenges that you've done over the years, has anything happened where you've maybe gone? You know what? Have we gone too far here? You want to. You want. Sometimes you want things to go wrong. We, we always like going into things extremely naive. We never read up on it, overly read up on things because we want the audience member to be asking all the same questions as we are when we first get there, or we ask the same questions as in what our audience member might. So yeah, there's potential for things to be a bit hairy. There's times where. We've looked back and gone, oh, gee, that was a bit more dangerous than we thought. Sometimes even in the edit where I'm like, oh, gosh, that was close. But um, the we've left probably that behind a little bit. Um, Hame's got a family and kids now and I've got someone that, that loves me, apparently, <laughs> looking across at my girlfriend now. So you've you got to take those things into our mind. But back in the day, we, we had a little little matrix in the um, studio, uh, sorry, production offices, where it was... Like on one axis was how funny is it? And then how, and on the other one was how dangerous is it? And it was like, you know, piss funny at the top, not funny on one. And then like safe or could possibly die on the other side. And we list the stories on this graph to go, okay, yeah, that's piss funny and it's safe. And we wouldn't do anything that was, you know, not funny and could kill us. But there was a great discussion on the could kill us, piss funny. We're like, yeah, I think we still have to do that. Yeah, yeah there's like a top, there's a top like corner where it's like that, that's have, fine. The yeah. sweet spot. We still have to do it. So there was always maybe two or three stories we couldn't get insurance for per trip. Mm. Um, and then there would be, we'd have an honest conversation about it. But yeah, in our younger years, you'd go, oh, I think it's fine. Um, let's have, let's let's do it. Um, and then, yeah, the safety briefing from my uh, 
my producer and mate from uni, Tim, who steals our cameraman as well, would go, all right, guys, this is the one we couldn't get insurance for, so let's be extra safe. And we go, you realise it doesn't matter if it's insurance or not, we should be safe regardless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about getting the money returned. It's about our well-being. But, um, yeah, it, it makes for uh, makes for exciting viewing. Speaking of well-being and concussion, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, do you mm. remember, oh, I'm sure maybe you don't because it, it would have hurt, when you guys were in America and mm. you went to a college or a high school, was yep. it, American football, and you got cleaned up yep. by one of the defensive tackles. And yeah, I, again, silly, but we were... At a, at a high school in Paris, Texas, a high school football match. I cannot believe how seriously they take these mm-hmm. matches. There would have been 6,000 people there to watch it. Friday night game. Um, they had three, uh, four coaches, 35-person um, squad. Uh, this is all for high school football. Um, and we were just kind of covering it all. And I said, oh, does anyone want any tackling practice? And I didn't have any pads on. And this kid came through. He was 16 years of age or 15, nearly 16. And he laid this tackle on me that put my bottom teeth through my top lip and, yeah, knocked me out. Um, And I realised why they all wear helmets and pads now. (laughs) And all the British people say, oh, American football, they're wearing pads. What's that all about? And it's like, there was actually one last night. uh, I can't remember what it was, but like a punt returner. He got the ball and it was just that perfect mix of him catching the ball as the guy just ploughed him. He must have taken him five metres back. It was ridiculous. Absolutely. So, yeah, I understand, even though it was (laughs) (laughs) 15-year-old. And I felt like Hamish should have blocked. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that was... uh, you, we also realize, look at back at that and go, well, that's actually really lucky as well because I could continue the trip and it became funny for the trip. But if, if it was something more serious yeah. and we have to stop a trip, suddenly you, um, A, can't deliver a show to a network and you've already been paid for it, which is a problem. But, um, but B, yeah, your well-being. So, yeah, I think in our younger days, we didn't think about that nearly sure. as much. <laughs> in terms of the UK and London, have you mm. ever considered coming here to do maybe like live podcast recordings? I mean, obviously you've done things here before. Like mm. we've, we've seen uh, when you've been over and you've done uh, things with what other people call, I should know this, I'm, I'm the Brit in the room. Uh, <laughs> like the beef eaters? The beef eaters and stuff, oh, you know, right. yeah, stuff did, like that. You've done all that we've stuff. Done, so we did a show out of here. We've been on Graham Norton, um, which was really wonderful of him mm. to ask. We're on with Joanna Lumley and, um, and David Hyde-Pierce from, and it was Niles from Frasier. Um, yeah, it hasn't been the interest for us. Um, I'd love, uh, yeah, Brits to follow what we're doing, but um, the idea of kind of world domination was never really our goal. Uh, it's more just doing what we love and the fact that we get to work with our friends back home um, and, you know, comfortable and, and really enjoy it. I think that's what means that we're going to have a better show because we're just in our comfort, uh, comfort zone and having mm. lots of fun. Mm-hmm. One thing that blew me away when I started working at TalkSport, really caught me off guard, mm. was uh, I had to do a, you know, just read, you know, the commentary team for today's game. Ian Danter popped up. Oh, who yes. I assumed. Now, Ian Danter, for those that don't know, on your show, uh, Gap Year, he's did a lot of the sort yeah. of commentaries for, for these did. segments. And it sounded like a fake name. I thought, yeah, Danter, Banter, that's probably, he's a character. But he's a real guy. He works here at TalkSport. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. He's incredible. I think we posted something just recently of when we were in Vietnam 
on tiny bikes if you went to our YouTube channel. I literally discussed this with Ollie earlier because my my question was going to be, did you really do 250 laps? Yeah. Wow. So so we went to the busiest roundabout in Vietnam. We had tiny 50cc bikes and it was a 250 lap race. Um, It was originally slated as a 500 lap race, but one of our producers went a week earlier and did one lap and realized that's going to take seven hours to do 500. (laughs) Sure. but yeah, so if you want to hear Ian Danter's voice, I'm pretty sure he's the the, the commentator for uh, he was commentator for all our mini kind of games mm-hmm. we used to do, um, and uh, yeah, it was he he was fantastic, yeah. and we learned that we same with when we did our American ones, we used an American baseball commentator who we reached out to recently because there's another baseball themed um, thing happening in the new show, and we said, hey, do you want to do this voiceover for us again, and he was like, uh, yeah, sure, sure. And then Ryan looked him up and he had just finished commentating the World Series. So he, he'd worked his way <laughs> up in the right. last nine years, but he was keen to do it again. So he's going to be the voice of, of our new game that we've got in the new show coming up. And we learned, though, that there is a skilled sports commentary like no other. It's You can't have someone yeah. acting it. These people, their intonations, the way they call moments, even if it's just as a joke, which is us on mini bikes going around uh, a, a, you know, Vietnamese uh, roundabout for four, four hours, but <laughs> they're, they're, the kind of comments they throw in, it makes it feel so much more real and their intonation is just is amazing. Absolutely. It's incredible watching some of the stuff when with, with Ian on it. He's, he's great. But for me, it's so stressful listening to the commentaries here because I just can't stop laughing. So I think, <laughs> yeah. who's got Hamish and Andy on in the background? <laughs> like, you should really be taking this job seriously. He, but, did, he, uh, did, he, did, he did the ghost thing, right? He, I think he was doing the ghost thing. Did, could that, that's what it's called, ghosting. Ghosting, it? yeah. I can't... I. And forgive me, Ian, but I can't remember which ones he's. Has, oh, and actually, done. no. I think you guys did your own. I think. I think he. I think we met him in 2012 when we were here doing our travel show, um, and and that's when we had the British voiceover, and then we kept it from then with Ian. Um, funnily enough, there was a, a big was as we called him. It was our security guy when he was here. Um, and we just loved his voice so much, um, you know, that kind of Cockney kind mm-hmm. of British thing. And so we made him the voiceover guy for the show. Um, so, yeah, we love real things. And I reached out to Woz yesterday and he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm actually, I think he's doing the tour for Ed Sheeran at the moment. His company's going. <laughs> yeah, so he's all these up as well. <laughs> so so these so Woz is, uh, he's like, oh, I'm way with Ed at the moment, but I'll, yeah, I'll try and catch you for a beer. So, um, yeah, it's but it's great that, that those type of guys where they're doing one job, they're great characters, and you go, "Oh, we got to use this." These type of people should but be. But if on you know him. Ian, like he's so hilarious when he's when the like, half time at commentaries, he's just does impressions of everyone. Like really? he'll just hear people, and he'll just be able to do. Any, he I think he just sits driving the motorways of the UK, yeah. just perfecting these impressions, and he'll do an impression of everyone that works in the building as well. Like it's just not just famous people. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like he'll he'll come up to Ollie, and I imagine he'll get you nailed too, and he'll do an impression of I you. I think it's just a slightly racist version. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's very much it's questionable. Good, eh? But look, yeah. next time you and Hamish. Are we yep. need to do well. We, on my fault. You need to do the London ghosting because in London, there's always someone that wants to be a centimetre ahead of you yes. because everyone is so uh, British and repressed. Yeah, uh, we'll get Ian Dunn to there. He can do a live commentary. I think it'll be a well, real ratings winner. Well, for people who don't know what ghosting is, essentially, it was the sport we made up, which was you had to walk kind of one centimetre behind someone for as long as possible as soon as they f- they realised you were there game over and we gave it kind of the American sports feel trying to make it as glamorous as possible but I got ghosted on the way here today because someone didn't want to pay for an Oyster card or a ticket but... <laughs> 
<laughs> and <laughs> real life goes to yeah, snuck snuck straight in behind me, and I was like, kind of felt him touch up on my back. I was like, well, this is a bit weird. Turned around as one lady was like, buy your ticket. <laughs> That's Kirsten, that. baby. And off he and off he went. So yeah, it was nice that it lived on. I've also got one other British fact, which is interesting. Go on, London Bridge, where you guys are here. You said come to London Bridge and, and, and you'll find the spot. My great, great, great uncle engineered that bridge and his dad designed it. And then when I went and looked at it and I saw a tower bridge up the road, I was like, the design's not very good. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool design, man. <laughs> Just three arches. It's like when they put like a Fiat garage next to a Ferrari garage and you're like, oh, like, here's no. what you could have won. there a story about some trillionaire that wanted to buy Tower Bridge and move but it. thought that it was London Bridge yeah. and they bought London Bridge and then went, oh, I got the wrong one. Yeah, correct. Gutted. Yeah, Just yeah. a misinformation. Yeah. So the actual real London Bridge, I think, well, because it did get moved, I think. Um, I might have this wrong, but I, uh, I believe it's in the US. The, mm-hmm. the they they yeah, shipped, I think that was it. they shipped it Someone fair bit it. Yeah. Like, yeah that's crazy wow and it I, might be in my guess is Missouri that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, was that a little bit of close your eyes point at a map <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> so. could you point to Missouri I mean I couldn't yeah. I don't know no yeah I know St, St Louis Cardinals is uh, my baseball team so yeah I know where Missouri is but, yeah, yeah um, on the podcast one thing that I love uh, is upset Andy mm. um, obviously you're a bit of a stickler for things being just right is there anything yeah. in London that you've seen so far that just hasn't been right. Well, London's good for me in this regard because you guys are ordered. You, you know, you, yeah, you, your pavements are all set out correctly. The windows are going to be, you know, in an orderly fashion. So there's nothing too, too much so far. No. Um, that I can. One thing I thought might annoy you, and if you except, go on the except, tube, except Beck doesn't put the lid back on the toothpaste from time to time and that's not strictly a London thing no but it's happened in London this morning it was a good chance for me just to say it while she's in the room so she's sure. to- that is documented we'll tweet that uh, one thing I think would annoy you and uh, I want to I want you to go away from this mm. and if you go on the tube I want you to go oh you yeah. When there's a tube map on the tube, yep. and sometimes they'll make changes, like the station won't have yes. like, disabled access, and there's a little sticker they I put over the it. Yeah. I hate the sticker. Yeah, hate the sticker. I've never seen a sticker, and it can't be that hard. Yeah. Line it up, put yeah. it, stick it down. It's never right. It's always wonky. I, I, I sometimes upside down. I, <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking. I, I don't like a sticker full stop right. because to me it's throwing the eye. Mm. Wonky one, even worse. And there was another upset, Andy, today. I, now you you bring me to the tube, was the train didn't exactly line up with the outside barrier sure, doors that mate. open up. And, yeah, that had me bugged. I almost wanted to, to stop everyone from getting off and going, no, no, can we just line this up properly? <laughs> back it up, back it up. <laughs> back, Literally, back, up. <laughs> back the guy up, back the guy up. Uh, yeah. Well, look, uh, it's, thank you very much for coming in. Um, awesome, We guys. appreciate that, you know, you've come to see us and mm. that the cricket happened to be on at the same time and it yeah. all fell into place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We exactly. always appreciate that. Uh, we'll hopefully see you soon when you're mm. back in the UK uh, doing more stuff. Andy Lee, thank you for joining us. Cheers, guys.